Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I'm an amateur bodybuilder. Yeah, and this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, uh, founder of Strength Field and LiftForHope.org. Sweet. Yeah, everybody, I am actually coming to you from um, the uh, International Society of Sports Nutrition event, so that's why I'm just really, frankly, sucks at the host hotel. Um, so I, what, I, what I'd like to do is I'm, I'm just going to start off. The conference just started this morning. I'm going to share a, a few updates because I think that's one of the values, I think, of a, a podcast. But um, there's been some neat stuff going on here already. I mean, today started with a talk on uh, – it's called uh, the chronobiology of eating. Like, it doesn't matter what you eat at, at certain times of the day. And he was – Basically, the, the guy who was talking, his name is Michael Ormsby. He's a professor at uh, Florida State University, and um, he was just sharing some information. I think one of the takeaways from his talk, actually, was that the debate between whey and casein rages on. You know, people talk about whey being fast and protein synthetic and uh-huh. casein being slow. But, you know, in the end, and this is just my perspective, but it seems like in the end, homeostasis rules today. You know what I mean? Whether it's a fast or a slow protein, you can make great gains on either. Um, and they seem to have certain functional characteristics. You know, I mean, although whey may look superior in some studies and casein in others, casein might sh- show this more filling in some studies, you know, higher satiety value. Yeah. I really came away from that thinking that we're still not sure. You know, there's so many specific questions that the bottom line is they're just both good proteins. Um, you know, and the time of day that you consume them, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's still up in the air. But it, it's good to know that guys like uh, Dr. Olmsby are starting to tease that apart. You know, like, should I eat cereal at night before bed or should I have casein before I go to bed because it's a slow protein? And I, I think the only fair way to say this would be stay tuned. You know, I wish we had more info on this kind of stuff. But yeah. at least he's looking, you know. Uh, and then just the only other talk I'll mention from this morning was uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's a, a physician, uh, Hector. Uh, he was giving a talk, Hector Lopez, on adverse event reporting in the dietary supplement industry. And I, one of the things that I came away from that talk uh, understanding was that FDA um, investigations into supplement companies, you know, infractions, uh, has tripled, I think, since 2007. So the FDA is getting more and more interested in busting, you know, these guys, not just for bad label claims, but for not making proper documentation of, uh, like, adverse events. And I think one of the things that anybody who worked for a supplement company that might be listening, um, they were very clear that just because you fill out the proper paperwork does not admit that your particular dietary supplement is bad or caused something uh, in an adverse event. I mean, there's different levels, like there's just more minor, non-serious adverse events, but then there's serious ones as well. And the truth is, the new FDA rules is a supplement company has 15 days for their responsible person 
to contact the FDA and fill out the right form uh, as far as adverse events. So anyway, it looks like the supplement world is going to get treated a lot more like the pharmaceutical world, uh, and really the supplement companies have to get their act together uh, because if they don't start doing the paperwork right and having standard operating procedures and, you know, acting responsibly, then you're going to have people outside the supplement industry start to regulate it. Okay, well, we have a Skype connection at this point now. Uh, again, uh, listeners know I, I'm down here in, in Florida, um, but this should sound a lot better. And I wanted to uh, also mention two talks uh, from some real founding father kinds of guys in the strength conditioning field. One is Stephen Fleck, and one is Bill Kramer. Uh, and wh- what they did was they gave sort of a tandem lecture and Here's two points, sort of take-home bullet points. And, again, hopefully I'll put some of this audio uh, after the next week's uh, show so you can hear little tidbits of this. But one of the things that Flex said, which I thought was very interesting, he was talking about motor unit recruitment. And, of course, we all know that's very important to, you know, instead of just activating small motor units with light weights, you know, you can get better activation. It's called the size principle. And Uh one of the things that he said that I really was not aware of was that compression of the skin. So if you think – I'm immediately thinking compression garments, even, you know, bent shirts, whatever. They increase fast twitch, the large, meaty, you know, nerves and the muscle fibers they touch, fast twitch motor unit recruitment. And I didn't know that. So, I mean, let's think about this for a sec. That means that when you wear a bent shirt, not only is the elasticity of the bent shirt helping the bar go up, it's actually making your muscles work better. You're actually firing fast twitch motor units better. You, you know, you're activating them more quickly. And I think that's very interesting. Uh, it really suggests that maybe training in a shirt, you know, or even if you're just wearing Under Armour when you squat or whatever it is, um, I don't know how much compression is required, but you could actually get a super training effect, you know, um, activating these big, strong uh, motor units. So I thought that was pretty cool. So it's the actual compression of the garment? Yeah. It's, it doesn't? It, and okay. Yeah, basically just cutaneous, you know, skin compression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was mentioning, you know, garments in general, compression-type garments. And so, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Your muscles might actually function better from a powerlifting perspective or bodybuilding. You know, you start activating these fast-twitch units uh, just because you're compressing. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kramer, who's uh, buddies with Fleck, uh, of course, he's done a lot of work with growth hormone and testosterone and everything, and uh, he was, one of the things I think interesting that he was sharing is he's a little bit at odds with Stu Phillips and Nick Bird and you know, a lot of the guys that we talk about often with when it comes to protein. And um, he's just sort of pointing out something that I think is important, that testosterone can't be underestimated when it comes to muscle growth. Because if you look at these guys that study leucine and whey protein and whatnot, it almost suggests that with three grams of leucine, let's say, you're going to maximize some protein synthesis trigger. Um, but then there's almost this assumption, at least by some people, that, oh, that's maximal muscle growth. But Kramer was showing data. He's like, what about testosterone? Because if you block, there's actually a study he showed where they blocked the testosterone levels in young men for, I don't know, like a 10-week training period or something, and showed how poorly they gained strength and size. Now, boy, I would. can you imagine... Yeah. Uh, volunteering for that study. We're just going <laughs> to shut down your NADS for three months. Is that okay? 
<laughs> no, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of deprivation therapy, of course, they'll do that with people with prostate cancer and things like that. But, it, yeah, they did it. And he was just showing how poor the gains are. And he and at the same time, um, these pathways that you hear so much about, like mTOR, you know, which is that, that trigger for muscle protein synthesis um, that, you know, leucine works through and you hear so much about whey. It was intact. It was fine. You know, these other anabolic uh, avenues were all fine. And when you take testosterone out of the picture, even though it doesn't seem to have as direct of an effect on, on you know, mTOR, for example, these guys, their training was useless. Now, this is the kind of stuff, and you know as well as I do, that any experienced weightlifter is going to be like, well, duh, androgens are big. That's why athletes abuse androgens, right? I mean, you, you get big on them. Um, in fact, there's a pro bodybuilder down here. He was sitting next to me at the talk. I'm like, oh my god, this whole talk is about this dude. You know, he's just glued. <laughs> he's glued to the screen. But it was really interesting because he's just sort of reminding, I think, Phillips group. Uh, and I really like Stu and Nick and all those guys. I mean, they are great guys. It's one of the highest quality labs in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But it's good to have a, a powerhouse like like uh, Bill Kramer say, hey, don't forget T. You know, because yeah. without it. All this other stuff about triggering mTOR and eat your leucine, it's just, it's not going to amount to much, yeah. you know. And I think that's important, too, because a lot of the, you look at these dietary supplements, or I've even gone back and forth with reviewers uh, when I was publishing, like, science articles, and, you know, they tend to obsess over whey and leucine and leucine and whey, and as if, you know, that's the pathway of interest, and that's, yeah. that's what you're triggering, and it's like, well... You know, the, the, t- good old testosterone is a big deal, and I think yeah. that's what I took away from that talk with Bill. You know, and I so think that's, pretty, you know, that's kind of what you see in the supplement industry in general. They try to, try to focus on one aspect uh, of yes. things. You know, yes, there's something exactly. that comes out, and they, they try to make, you know, be it be a protein synthesis or, or jacking up your tea or whatever. They try and make it the, the end-all, be-all, when in, in reality it's more complex than that. It's, that's right. And, in, in fact, Kramer showed a slide. He's like, well, let's, let's look at all the other possibilities by which you can have muscle hypertrophy that are not just this, you know, microcosm of mTOR. You know, you talk about satellite cell activation and, you know, uh, uh, other types of tissues. And, and I don't know, it, it was just, um, it's just a good reminder. It's almost like, that, you know, eat big to be big. Well, yeah. big T equals big muscles. I mean, why are men more heavily muscled than women? Duh, you know. Yeah. Uh, at least in large part. So, anyway, some pretty good stuff. Just trying to learn what I can from from these heavy hitters. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so this week's uh, topic uh, that we've been bantering back and forth, everybody, is respect your brothers, which is um, partly generated from the fact that I've myself encountered uh, different situations in the gym recently, and. Uh, I had to remind myself, actually, not to roll my eyes a little. And I, what I'd like to do is just to explain this. Is you know, Of course, there's uh, three or four different categories of heavy lifter, muscle and strength athlete, and sometimes they almost um, roll their eyes at each other a little. And in, in my particular example, I, believe it or not, it wasn't a power lifter or an Olympic lifter or a strongman. It was a bodybuilder who I was rolling my eyes at a little, um, but before I get into that, let's just talk about some of the cliches. So, Phil, you and I, we talked about this a little bit before, but maybe just share what you think are some of the 
what are the, some of the stereotypes of a bodybuilder or a powerlift, powerlifter or, you know, that Oh, sort of yeah. Like, like we spoke about before, I mean, you get the whole all show, no go thing um, with bodybuilders. Um, I think more so than the, even the other strength athletes, the, the bodybuilders, they get the, uh, uh, the big dumb meathead thing, just like the new commercials that are out. The, I pick things up, I put them down as they're walking them through the commercial mm-hmm. gym, uh, things like that. Um, you don't see that so much with the, with the athlete. I don't know if it's because they're involved in, I guess, what more could be called a sport. Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, power lifters, you know, you, you always get the, sure, he's strong, but he's just a big fat guy um, type of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, um, Olympic lifters. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you. Uh, go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and with the with the power lifters, I think sometimes you'll even get bodybuilders look at them like, you know, oh, you're sort of an undisciplined, simple, fat dude, you know, and not really realizing that. I think you had a good point. That, a bodybuilders themselves are often looked at as as dumb and yeah. unrefined. So you know, why are they looking at the power lifters like that? And B, the training is what's so complex with the powerlifters. Mm-hmm. The powerlifting training is actually much more exacting than what most bodybuilders do, I would argue. You know? yeah, so I it's not it's... counting calories, right? It's counting percentages and progression models on the bar. And like we yeah. talked about before, I think it's, you know, bodybuilders and, and powerlifters have a lot in common, especially when they're off-season. And then as they get towards season, the powerlifting training gets more complex, whereas the bodybuilding diet gets more complex. You know, from that point on, as they're peaking, they, they start heading in different directions. But the rest of the year, really, it's not that much different. If you're talking, I guess, more of the power builder type, you know, somebody that's using squats and, and, and rows and benches and stuff to, to build. You bet. You know, case in point, Kramer was actually showing some you know, general concepts here throughout, you know, the history of not just uh, research, but, you know, lifting in general. And he was he was showing old studies about how bodybuilders would do sort of heavy five repetition sets during their off season, you know, to try to activate the big motor units, you know, get the muscle hypertrophy, because everybody knows the little, you know, type one type endurance muscle motor units, they don't really hypertrophy wildly. And so the guys, the bodybuilders are lifting with five reps in the off season. And then he was suggesting that when they start a cutting phase, maybe they start doing 10 reps or more. And a lot of guys still do that. Now I know there's a new wave of bodybuilders who would probably try to keep it heavy all the time. But like you said, well, five rep sets, how different is that from what you see a lot of power lifters doing? Yeah. You know, it's not like all power lifters are only doing singles and doubles all year round. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not, I mean, it's, people think that, but it's, it's not the singles that make you strong. You know, it's those fives and the threes and the eights. And if you can bring those up, your, your one's going to go up and you're not going to get beat up as much. You know, we only really get the singles a few weeks out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you peak towards that. Um, whereas, you know, a bodybuilder peaks more towards getting lean and, and what they're putting in their mouth and, and micromanaging that, whereas we're micromanaging training and looking for full recovery and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's pretty interesting, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you look at – because if you look at a, at a bodybuilder and a powerlifter in off season, even their physique can start – body fat-wise can start looking the same. Powerlifters are, are generally leaner in the off-season. And then our, our intensity goes up and our volume goes down greatly. And with that, we're just trying to hang on to as much of that hypertrophy we, we've gained in the off-season and, and go for sheer strength, you know, because you're not going to get a lot of hypertrophy doing, like my guys today, if they're last week before they have a meet next weekend. We're doing four singles, 
you're not gonna right. you're not gonna get a lot of hypertrophy out of that. But we're just trying to to use what we got and make it very efficient. So yeah. Well, in fact, that's what I was bitching about over the last eight months. I started actually getting kind of fat because I was doing such low rep stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not like bodybuilders are all doing twenty rep sets with forty uh, percent of their maximum ability, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it's so um, taxing. Uh, mm-hmm. Not metabolically, but neurologically and joint-wise, yes. you just, it, especially somebody who's not really heavily built as far as the skeleton, like myself, I was beating myself down, and I was actually getting kind of fat because, yeah. like you said, like I, I'd walk out of the gym an hour later and be like, I think I just did 16 reps. You know? <laughs> <Yep>. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so um, and, and you know the other category that I wanted to touch on was Olympic lifters, and I'll, I'll just uh, one guy in fact comes to mind. Uh, at the gym that I train at, I think he looks at the powerlifters and the bodybuilders as chumps, kind of. He's like, I'm yeah. the real athlete, you know. I mean, there's no, um, as somebody joked uh, yesterday, I think it was Mike from Critical Bench, he said something about, you know, you you, powerlift, you have no range of motion. That's not athletic, you know. Yeah. And, well, maybe maybe the movement in the bench uh, or, or a squat, depending on how you do it, you know, maybe there's not as much. I mean, certainly as an Olympic lifter throwing a weight over his head. But yeah. that's like that's all you do. You yeah. know, I mean, there's a lot of very athletic things. You see people pushing sleds and doing all kinds, dragging sleds, doing all kinds of flipping tractor tires and yeah. cross-training and, and strongman stuff. And, I mean, there's um, – so I think we need to be very careful in a sense to, you know, not to look – down on each other with disdain because as mm-hmm. you and I've been talking about lately, there's we're such a tiny percentage. When you think about all the sports or the, like the big three, the football and baseball and basketball here in, in the states, at least, yeah. you know, we're a we're a tiny fraction oh, of a percent, and to start to get you know divisive like that. But I also know that I'm I, I'm I can be guilty of that too. I mean, and, and case in point, this is I really caught myself. I was looking at this guy. Uh, he looked like he was probably 40-ish, but he was definitely on on something. Tons of muscle mass, especially across his chest and his front delt and, like, biceps, you know. I mean, wildly hypertrophied. And he's, you know, I, I see him go by the mirror, and he kind of checks himself. And I'm like, well, he's very lean. Maybe he's getting ready for a show. So, but then a minute or two goes by, and he does it again. And then he does it again, and he's lifting his shirt and kind of, you know, checking his abs. And once or twice, I'm like, fine. But after a while, I start myself, I started getting irritated. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're acting like a twink, right? I mean, yeah. your abs aren't any sharper than they were five minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And he just keeps going by and looking, and it's not, it's, he's not scrutinizing, he's admiring. Yes. And I'm like, dude, you are fueling that stereotype. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, I'm sitting there dripping in sweat in like a dirty gray sweatshirt. You know what yeah. I mean? And i always trying to emulate sort of that. Um, you know, more like Dorian Yates, Mike Menser type yeah. model. And this guy's got the pretty, you know, colorful tank top. And I'm like, oh, it's pleased it. Because the powerlifters are going to have a field day with you because, you know, yeah. you're doing exactly what some of them sort of point at, you know. So, but I try to catch myself. I'm like, well, don't have disdain, you know. Um, maybe the guy's just really excited. It probably feels fantastic to be that huge and lean at the same time, you know, and. Uh, I don't know. But I think we all need to carry ourselves with a little bit of uh, respect. Like, don't become the, you know, the Billy badass tough guy powerlifter. Don't become the cheesy twink bodybuilder. You know what I mean? And, again, I don't want everybody to feel like they have to obey certain style rules. That's not what I mean at all. But, you know, don't try not to feed the stereotypes. But at the same time, we all need to look at each other with, uh, 
you know, a sense of brotherhood because there's so few of us. Yeah, and I mean, we we can even say that you look at the new, the newer things coming up like CrossFit, and then you know, there's a lot of, it, it's it's evident. I've been to a lot of the gyms, and the whole, you know, I'm better than, we're better than all of you type of attitude, and even pushed from their HQ, and it's like, man, honestly, we've got a lot more in common than we have apart, and yeah. I I guarantee you, I I don't know a CrossFitter out there that can go in and compete on any of the other sports. If they come to our playing ground, we're going to win. Of course, if I go and try and do Fran, I'm going to get my butt handed to me. Yeah, so, right. You know, but it's because it's not my sport. You know? Exactly. And, but, you know, I mean, it's, and I was going to say, at the same time, uh, well, you know, there's such generalists, but it's sort of a good example because at the same time, you incorporate elements of general conditioning or bodybuilding or yeah. strongman in what you do. I incorporate powerlifting in some of what I do, and I really think last time I competed, it benefited me hugely because some of the other guys that were, you know, bodybuilder bodybuilders on the stage with me, it looked their backs looked like they did lots of pull downs, yeah. and mine looked like I did low rack pulls. You know yeah. what I mean? And which would you rather look like? You know, I, I mean, yeah. I looked like I could twist these guys into a pretzel. You know, yeah. and I mean, not to blow my own horn, but it's because of that power uh, training. You know, and so we all use each other's um spe- we just don't specialize in it like you were saying yeah you know? exactly i mean their 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 main sport is generalization whereas ours is we we do a little of that and vice versa you got the you know the olympic lifters yeah i've seen a lot of that um especially out of the the coaches where it's like this is the sport you know it, it's like they try and put themselves on a pedestal and sure it's an awesome sport i love olympic weightlifting but a, a gold medalist in olympic weightlifting to me isn't any more gifted than, let's say, uh, you know, when Bolton pulled a thousand pounds for the first yeah. time. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's at the highest level. Any of these sports, they've had to dedicate their lives to it, and you right. can't tell me I there's mean, not a skill in it. Compared to the average man who can bench his body weight once, I mean, literally, if you look at normative data, yeah. an average guy can bench his body weight once. You're talking about you know, <laughs> somebody who can rip a thousand pounds off the floor or throw hundreds and hundreds of pounds over their head in like yeah. a second flat. This is yeah. outrageous, and it's highly specialized, and you can't expect – yeah, you can't look at the other guy and be like, all you can do is pull a 1,000 off the floor. It's like, yeah. what? Wait, like, back exactly. up a second. Or like even these CrossFit guys, sometimes I almost think they, they walk around like they think they're huge. Yeah. And to me, they don't look that huge. You know, maybe some of them are very mesomorphic and are bigger than they find. But in general, they look like cross trainers to me because that's yeah. sort of what they do. And, you know, to a, a power lifter or a competitive bodybuilder, they don't seem that that big. Uh, no. And like you said, it, but then there's that elitism, and it's like, mm, you know, why don't you just say, listen, we're a, we just take pride in being an amalgam of all of our brothers. You know, we do a little power. We do, we're interested in that physique, and, you know, all these things come together. Uh, but they're jack of all trades, but they're not master of any of them. Yes. You know. And that's, yeah, that's the, the whole, uh, I can do your sport almost as good as you, but I can do my sport better. It's like, well, that, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but, I mean, that's their sport. I can shoes and hand grenades, right? I, I can almost, yeah. you know, I can pull 500 off the ground, okay? Well, I can do 1,000. So suck on that. You know, that's not almost. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 of course, because I can pull 1,000 off the ground, I can't complete a marathon in a really good time. You know, and it's exactly. by nature a sport. But, um, no, and I, I'm not saying that I hate these people. I, I train some people in CrossFit and this and that. And I think that's, 
I think our message here is just that we have a lot more in common than we have apart that we're trying to get off, and, and we all just need to shut our traps and get along. And, I mean, that's a big thing that we've talked about it before. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here. I saw it overseas, and I talked to guys that were lifting in the, the 50s and 60s, and they said they saw it more here was, you know, you'd go to a gym, and you'd have power lifters and Olympic lifters and bodybuilders training under the same house, and they'd support each other and go to each other's contests, and there wasn't this disdain for each other. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you I, know, like, like the old days of muscle builder, I mean, Jim Stepani was down here giving a talk. He's the science editor of Muscle and Fitness, and I'm not sure if I already mentioned that, but he's, um, you know, he's showing these old muscle builder magazines, uh, you know, pre-muscle and fitness days, and all these guys, they're doing odd lifts and almost gymnastics-type things on the beach, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and yet they're proud of their muscle mass. Yeah. I would argue that most powerlifters, although they're about moving a bar, they're also proud of their muscle mass. They're way oh, yeah. bigger than the average guy. And, yeah. you know, and if they're not just fat guys who think they're strong, because that's a peeve yeah. of mine. You know, if you're, if you're just some giantly obese guy and you're walking down the street, you know, presenting your belly and swaggering back and forth, hoping your belly's going to push everybody out of the way. All right, dude, listen, you're fat. You're not strong. It's not the same thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and you, you need to, you could be. You probably could yeah. be. You know, you're an endomorphic guy. Maybe you got a lot of mesomorphic component. You could add a lot of mass, but you're five years away from being the man you think you are right now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly. And, uh, and again, I, I don't want to rip on heavier guys because, you know, there's a lot of them. It's just the ones who they think they're an Adonis or something. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you're, you don't have the shoulder girth to carry that belly, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Exactly. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. I mean, there's. In the end, I mean, it's just about, we've got to lose this whole, if we're going to make it anywhere, I mean, none of these, if you look at none of these sports are anywhere, like you said, compared to the big three. If you put us all together and you included strongman and highland games into the mix, and hell, even track and field, we can't touch one of the big three. No, and as far as fan base, or yes. I, I know, or, and, you know, the beauty of this kind of stuff is you can participate mm-hmm. in these sorts of things your whole life, yeah. you know, uh, even solo, and a lot of those other, like the the big three kinds of sports, you know, like football and basketball and stuff. You can't, it's, it, I would argue that's a little bit harder to do because you got to get a whole lot of group of guys together. You got to organize leagues and teams, and I, I'm not saying you can't do that in powerlifting or, or as well, but but uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know what the other point that I was trying to make was um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, there was a guy came in. He's an older lifter. And I, th- I think he had on uh, some kind of hernia rehab belt or something. But I, I know for sure he's been in the gym before. And, you know, he's the kind of guy his doctor said, you shouldn't lift anymore. You have some heart problems. And But he came in, and the first thing he did was bellow out, where are my guys? I'm going back to the power room. Where are my guys? You know, because he's an old powerlifting coach kind of guy. Yeah. And I thought, it's good to have that kind of camaraderie and brotherhood. But everybody there is your guy. You know, yeah. I mean, that those bodybuilders, in, you know, in the other room, they're not back in the power room. Some of them might be. But, you know, nobody at my gym, almost nobody is is fluffy, you know, prancing around in a hot pink spandex and a string tank. You know, you just yeah. don't see that. Uh, but just because of the nature of the gym, it's just very, very blue collar. Yeah. And uh, when he's like, well, where I, I, I just want my guys. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's too bad because I, mean, I admire you. You know, you're an yeah. old grisly dude. And I mean. Uh, you're a true warrior, you know, yeah. and um, but that doesn't mean that the guys who are there just to pack on muscle mass, they're you know they might only be squatting three fifteen or four oh five for uh, sets of eight or ten, but that's freaking heroic too. So yeah, don't make don't you know don't exclude them from your guys. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's I think, I don't know, maybe part of it's on us as, as I guess, if you call us leaders, um, putting out this show here. And definitely I take it on my shoulders as a coach, you know, because I have, I have Olympic lifters, I have power lifters, I have people running half marathons, I have crossfitters, I have Highland Games athletes. But, you know, we all, there was uh, our last thing was the Highland Games a couple weeks ago. We all went and supported the Highland Games stuff. And now we have a power meet coming up, and we'll all come in there and do that. We all train into the same house. That's right. You know, and it's it's That's just right. a much and, more. And because you're, you're good at what you do, each guy is good at what you do, like we were saying before, you can laugh that you're not good at certain other things. Yeah. You know, like if I snicker about, you know, your uh, symmetry or you're like, ooh, 315, that's a real big bench line, you know. Yeah, exactly. I can laugh about that because that's not my primary purpose, even though I do want to be as strong as I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, did, I, I don't have the um, genetic makeup probably to be a, you know, high-level power lecturer. That's fine with me. That's not really what I'm about. I'm going to go with my strengths, you know, because yeah. I want to be good at what I do. And so anyway, yeah, it's so you could create those environments, and, you, and you're right. Even like through the radio show, we can remind guys, you know, just next time you walk by somebody and you catch yourself rolling your eyes at one of your brothers, just be like, you know, I'm going to bite my tongue on that one. You know what I mean? Or or even, I mean, think of the um, uh, the bridges you could build. I mean, if a powerlifter walks by a bodybuilder and just says something like, yeah, thick, man, the bodybuilder is going to eat that up. You know, or a huge bodybuilder says to maybe even a, a powerlifter who's not as muscular, you know, dude, you're looking pretty big. You know, I mean, yeah. these are these are good things. It's just a mutual support, like you say, create that environment. Yeah, exactly. It's not that hard because at the end we have we have a lot more in common with each other than we do the rest of the world. I mean, just for the fact that we go to the gym often, <laughs> it's, we're, we're no in the minority. You know. I can see that down here, too, because this the, uh, ISSN, the Sports Nutrition Event, is very strength-focused. Uh, it's almost a, a brother group to uh, the NSCA, you know, and you can really see a lot of the people down here are bodybuilders. I was in the parking lot last, last night, and this guy, he goes, he said something about, ooh, damn, you're all bodybuilders. And somebody said, yeah, there's some big guys here. He goes, no, you, man. I said, no, you need to go upstairs and look at the really big guys because there are some behemoths here, you know. <laughs> But again, it's 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 good to bring them together because not everybody here is just an Olympic lifter or just a bodybuilder or just a yeah. power lifter, you know. And they're all going to the same talks. We all want to learn about how to grow bigger muscles. We all want to learn how to activate motor units and become stronger and more explosive, you know. So uh, yeah, the, the similarities are evident as as I you know as I go to these talks as well. Yeah. So I think that's right, about covered it, man. Yeah, uh, so. at least we'll you know we'll get something out. Apologize to everybody for the, for the delays. We had some technical glitches. Uh, we darn near recorded this show in its entirety yesterday and had technical yeah. glitches. And so with with the the research travel for me and all this other stuff, it's it's just miraculous we get anything done at all. So yeah. so thanks for listening. Yep. Okay, guys. Till next week. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the Bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, 
listeners, this is Ronnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.